Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of Asian Banking and Finance in partnership with SmartStream. In this episode, we will be discussing the findings of a white paper published by SmartStream titled Data Rich but Information Poor. Why is it critical for banks to employ AI-enabled technology? Data volumes have grown hugely in recent years. Rapid change is clearly needed if the industry is to unlock the riches of its data and turn what is currently a problem into an opportunity. AI has immense potential for the financial sector, particularly in servicing back office operational processes. The industry is deeply interested in these new technologies with AI at the top of senior managers' agendas. Yet the financial industry remains cautious. There are some practical issues hindering adoption. Deploying AI technology with old legacy systems is challenging while AI can demand bursts of costly computing power. My name is Simon Hyatt. I'm the contributing editor of Asian Banking Finance Magazine, and I'm joined today by Vincent Kilcoyne, Executive Vice President, Global Product Management at SmartStream. Vincent, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be joining you today, Simon. Vincent, I have a few short questions for you today, and I'd like to start by asking you, AI-enabled technology is currently having a positive impact on the financial industry. Despite these positive merits, what is holding banks back currently in terms of adopting these AI-enabled solutions? Well, I think that it's an interesting question, but slightly flawed in its premise or its restriction in that you've said, what's holding back banks? I think that we should actually broaden that out. So let's look at that from the financial sector. I think it's better to look at that because now when you look at banking as a broad category, we've got banks and non-banks participating in the provision of financial services. Okay, and you're absolutely right, as you said in your opening comment, that there's a vast array and a vast quantity of data. And the challenge with the world that we are in now and in terms of the opportunity is that there is a vast array of data, but that data is not in any way standard in terms of its luck, its behavior, its feel, its content, its volume, its velocity, and its variety. And these are some of the core fundamental challenges. So when you look at it, the sheer velocity and the volume of the data actually makes it prohibitively expensive and challenging operationally for organizations to be able to harness that in traditional manual processing type approaches, rule-based. And we recognize this. And I think the industry and globally, not only banking, financial services, insurance, retail, everything, have actually embraced the AI mantra from a machine learning perspective because they realize that the only way in which they can truly harness the potential, the capability, right, um, regardless of the use case, because the use cases are borderline infinite. But the only way in which you can do this because of the sheer volume of the data, is to actually really truly employ and deploy on an industrial scale the AI techniques and the ML techniques that are now available, because that's the only thing that you can throw at that sheer volume of data. The next challenge that you have around that, because a lot of organizations look at the implementation and the deployment of AI approaches, and they take an insular approach, 
They take the data, they throw the AI and they build AI models around it. And then they say, okay, so how do we then incorporate that into our control procedures? And if we look at it, you know, from the, the greatest invention was the wheel. Actually, in reality, it required you to connect the wheel to something else. And it's similar with AI. You've got to be able to build these models because the data is there, but then you've then got to be able to connect it into your operational systems. You've got to operationalize it. So you convert, you've got to convert output to outcome. And the difference between an output and an outcome is the operationalization of the output. And this is really the biggest challenge. The challenge is not building the AI models. The challenge is taking these AI models and operationalizing them in a controllable structure for your in-house control policies, your in-house compliance, and also for the regulators. So this, in a, in a summary, is probably the biggest challenge, is incorporating them into the operational systems of the organization to be able to realize the true benefit from an operational perspective, from a cost perspective, right, and to actually drive measurable outcomes. It's a fantastic wrap, Vincent, and wonderful analogy regarding the wheel and the axle that it has to be joined to. I like it. Drilling down a little bit more on SmartStream, what AI-based technology has the company created recently? Right. So we actually took the whole mantra of AI-based technology and had a very simple set of criteria, which are governed by what we call the relevance metric. As in, when we look at an AI approach, uh, it's all very interesting. When, it, when it's relevant, it changes from being interesting to being exciting. So we created an innovation team, an innovation lab, uh, which houses an incredible group of extremely talented, innovative, entrepreneurial individuals. And we realized that from as an organization, when you look at the DNA of our organization, our solutions, we are operational. We focus on the operational elements of the financial services sector. We process vast quantities of data, hundreds of millions or billions of rows of data on a daily basis. So we tasked our innovation lab with creating an infrastructure, adopting a number of technologies and giving us access to a very interesting set of engines that would make it possible for us to build AI models within the constraints and the security constraints that are associated with the financial services sector. And we deliver those in um, a hosted environment, very, very strict security, because this has to be part of what we do, okay? So it recognizes PCI DSS. We recognize that we have single tenant structures from the point of view of the models. There's no reuse, there's, there's complete enclosure of the data and the models. So we're very, very proud of what we've achieved there. Then we actually looked at how do we industrialize that across the other solutions? How do we actually manifest or expose that technology to our other solutions, be it reconciliations, be it cash and liquidity, be it corporate actions, be it collateral? Right? And we've expanded that functionality across our innovation lab by the adoption of supervised and unsupervised learning with the use of affinity, etc. Because one of the biggest challenges that, any, that organizations have, and the realization came on the back of COVID, which presented a number of operational challenges, really, when you look at an organization and how does it operate, the IP or the corporate intelligence is preserved in a combination of systems and people. So if you can build 
very, very intelligent and adaptive AI capabilities that can harness the corporate intelligence of the individuals and preserve it, you're now democratizing that corporate intelligence across your users. And as you bring new people into the organization, you're leveraging and using the data to improve the capabilities of the organization. So this is very much core to the fundamental drivers of the organization and what we've done within the AI models and the way in which we have actually surfaced the technology, the capabilities, and the core values to the wider users and also to our existing solution users. Democratization is certainly a hot topic at the moment, Vincent. And something that SmartStream says it does is it's mentioned that it dedicates a special space for clients in need of machine learning results. What does this additional layer of personalization mean for clients? Well, I have a very simple view about an organization and its data. An organization, if I ask a person who works in an organization to tell me how something works, I will get a degree of fact and a degree of emotional interpretation. However, if I ask the data and if I provide the tools to somebody to interrogate the data, I will actually get everything that is fact-based. And I'm a big believer in the data of an organization actually being the greatest representation of the DNA of an organization, both from the point of view of the data that and the information that they contain, but also the operational processes by which the data was constructed. So I've spoken about the DNA of the organization actually being concealed within the actual data. So if you want to be able to provide organizations with the ability to preserve that DNA, leverage that DNA, you now have to make it possible for people to build AI and analytical models that are based and have got the fingerprint of the DNA of the organization. And that is how you have to behave. And we have to recognize that. So we have got a very clearly compartmentalized tenant structure whereby an organization's data is held in one location, held in their discrete location. The models are built and calibrated on their data. So there's absolute discretion around the data, the behavior, the models. And they are unique to that individual client because they are unique to that individual data and they are tied discreetly to the client and the data. And they obviously evolve and they recalibrate. But we treat client data as not just being data. It is the operational DNA of the organization. So you provide a sanctuary. It's personalized. It's privatized. It's, I should say, private. It's discreet and it's sensitive. And that obviously gives clients a great sense of confidence in the services that you're providing in their so-called sanctuary. Absolutely. And following on from that, we don't share models, right? That's absolutely critical because I can't develop models for bank A and then say to another bank, come on board and I'm going to use the models from this other organization that I've already built and deploy them and try them on your on your data. All right. To me, that's a, there's a degree of indiscretion there. All right. So absolutely. The models behave with the data. They belong to the client. And there is an absolute ring fence, very, very clearly identified and demarcated structure around that. You're, you're delivering an incredible service, but you're also delivering confidence. And that's, that says it all. Um, confidentiality. <laughs> Vincent, what is the role of SmartStream's Innovation Lab in driving innovation for AI-enabled technology? Talk to me a little bit about the Innovation Lab. 
So the Innovation Lab, as I said earlier, is um, a group of incredibly intelligent, challenged, challenging, disruptive, entrepreneurial people who are take incredible pride in what they do from the point of view of the adoption of technology and the conversion of interesting technology into incredibly exciting solutions. So they started out under the leadership of um, Andy Berner, and he has worked and created an incredibly capable team who share and work very closely with my group, which is the product management group in the organization. And they work with us to look at what's, what problems are we encountering? What challenges are our clients talking to us about? What challenges do we think we could actually shed interesting optics on? And in some cases, we're taking feedback directly from the clients and we're actually doing proof of concepts with them. But then in some cases, we're also hearing that our clients would, you know, like to be able to shine an analytical lens or be able to identify operational improvements from the adoption of technologies. And we go out to the guys in the innovation lab and say, come on, guys, give me some ideas. What can we do? So it's very much an idea factory that actually turns ideas into reality because we give them access to the data, we give them access to the clients, we give them access to the industry experts. So it's all about converting incredible technology initiatives into exciting solutions for not only our products, but our clients. One of the main concerns with handling a large volume of data is obviously security. We've highlighted it today already, we flagged it, but I don't know that enough can really be said about security and the sensitivities that clients, particularly financial institutions, will have regarding the security of their data, because the security of their data is the security of their customers' data. Yes. On SmartStream's end, how can the organization ensure that security is sacrosanct in terms of banks and other financial institutions' data? Actually, that's, that's a multidimensional challenge. Let's pick each part of that. So firstly, the volume of data. We know that that's going stratospheric. But it's actually very interesting because in, if you look at the, the payment sector, let's look at the digital payments, we know what's happened there, okay? You know, the, the, the multiples are very simple. I go to an ATM, I withdraw 50 bucks, and I buy 25 cups of coffee. The bank sees one transaction. I don't go to the bank on Monday and I use my, my credit card or my contactless machine. Now, all of a sudden, I've bought 20 cups of coffee and it's 20 digital transactions. So if we look at it from the banking perspective, they're seeing a growth volume, but there's also in the non-banking sector. And this is where there's an incredible separation. I won't quite use the term bifurcation, but let's, let's just look at it. When you look at the payment sector, what they've typically done is they've created niche solutions for their payments. But now you'll find that there's a huge amount of corporate activity in terms of acquisition by payment companies and of payment companies. So, for example, uh, one payment provider would purchase another pay- payment provider in a different geographic region. And now we've got the multi-regional problem for the payment providers, just as like you have what for global banks who've got multi-regional problems. And when you look at that, I've now got multiple speeds of regulatory adoption and deployment. So if I've got an organization that's providing services in Western Europe, be it a bank or a non-bank, 
and then they're actually expanding into Eastern Europe or they're expanding into Africa or Southeast Asia or North America. We're talking about different speeds of, of technology adoption, all right? I've got vast growth of data. I've got different sets of regulations around that data and I've got different controls. So when you look at the, the, the world, it tends to be, they tend to bifurcate between the ability to process the payment and then the ability to actually control the downstream systems. And when you've got acquisition, I've got two totally different data landscapes. How do I control that? How do I bring it together? And how do I truly understand who my customer is? So when we've looked at this problem, we are constantly looking at what the global regulations are, what the benchmark regulations are, and we're adopting those and deploying them in accordance with the requirements of the key leading regulations. And we're then making it possible to deploy the control structures that are in place for the, re for the relevant um, environment within which the organization is deploying the services. So you've got to be able to do both. You've got to be, remain compliant from an operational perspective, and then you've got to have the data security requirements that are associated with the regulatory regime that is dominant. So if you look at GDPR versus PCI DSS, et cetera, what are your requirements? And we've made sure that we keep abreast of all of those requirements so that they are part of what we provide as a service, as a service offering, and as a solution offering. Operating in multi-jurisdictions is, of course, all about keeping up with the regulatory requirements in those different jurisdictions. We have spoken a lot today about data management, data security, and data privacy. You've summarized with great elegance what your client needs are, Vincent, and what SmartStream can offer. So we find ourselves with the luxury of time. Now, I have one more question for you, sir. I'd like to ask you today, what would be a take-home message from this podcast? If you could maybe summarize for us today, the listeners, what would be four or five key points that you would want them to remember and take away from this podcast? Um, firstly, uh, and I think it's, is it, what's the adage? Is it from, is it Goodyear Tires or Pirelli? They have, they have a fantastic term, which is speed is nothing without control. And I would say that for banking and global payments and the financial services sector, speed is nothing without control. You have to be able to control what you do in your business. You have to know how much that's going to cost because profitability, you've got to be able to do everything within a managed profitability and reduce the volatility in your behavior. And you have to have total control. Organizations are no longer focused on being successful. They are becoming increasingly worried about what happens when they stop being successful. What happens when they are hacked? What happens when there is a leak? What happens when there is an error or a mistake, right? And there is a failure of control. So it all kind of goes back to speed is nothing without control. I need to be able to process at speed. I need to be able to deliver the added services to ensure that the follow-on parts around the payment, me paying you is one thing, me knowing that no fraud has been committed. Okay, that's a different challenge and that's part of the process. So really the whole concept is provide the service, ensure that the controls are in place from a local, regional and global perspective. 
ensure compliance with local, regional and global regulatory controls and recognize that fundamentally in every financial institution, you have many systems, millions of customers and one balance sheet and many regulators. And you have to be able to control all of those to deliver a quality service and protect the ongoing continuity of your relationship with your customer, your relationship with the regulator and your regulation with your, your continued reputation with your investors and your peers in the, in the industry. Vincent, thank you so much for joining us today. That's it from Asian Banking and Finance podcast. We'll be back with more news, views and insights from the finance industry soon. Once again, my name is Simon Hyatt. And thank you very much for joining us. See you all again. 